All right, Saturday morning, uh, another hour to go. Hey, how about them Dodgers? What, 18 innings? Wow. Now, I, I haven't heard that it was a record of any kind for uh, a playoff game, so I'm assuming that uh, they uh, other games have gone just as long. Longest time, uh, what, about, uh, what, 34 hours? I mean, something just completely insane. Uh, long, long game. All right, handle here, and uh, we've got another, uh, I don't know, 17, 18 hours ago on this show. It's a long show. So let me give you a phone numbers to call, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Uh, as the calls come in, and uh, we start yet another hour. Great fun. All right, this is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case whatsoever. And hopefully we have a number of those this hour because I'm in that kind of a mood. Normally, uh, I just have fun telling you you have no case and you're going to lose. For For some reason today, I'm desperately in need of telling you you have no case. Don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm running a temperature. I have no idea. But uh, if you're kind enough to call me with no case, hopefully I can ruin your morning. Uh, I hope so. Okay. So I might as well go into the crime blotter because uh, those are the fun ones. And uh, those are not – these are stories that don't particularly give us any legal insight or give us any trend which way the law is going or uh, are not particularly important in terms of how the law is applied which uh, is uh, very interesting to me and most other people. Sometimes it's just a story, but it's a story that's good. Like this one. This is Illinois. And a Farmersville woman is facing charges after assaulting and trying to rob a man. Okay, so far, no big deal. Bertha, uh, Bertha Oejo, or Ajo, 56 years old, Uh, shows up at the victim's home around 5 p.m. And obviously they knew each other. She asked him for $5,000 to go to Mexico and to have an exorcism in Mexico. Now, that already starts telling you this woman is not all there because she needs to go to Mexico to have an exorcism. Let's start with an exorcism in general. Why? A little crazy? Sure. But... In Mexico, that's another thing. We have a geographic issue. Why can't she do an exorcism here or in Chicago where she lives? So he says, no, thanks. And uh, she becomes very angry when uh, he wouldn't hand over the money. Now comes the, the story. She then attacks him by trying, number one, to hit him with an iron and pulling out his colostomy bag while he was wearing it. Okay. Now we have a scene that is not very pleasant. Uh, And she even broke windows in his house, but fled before the deputies arrived. They were able to track her down. Really, you think she was hard to track down and arrested her. And they pulled straws to see who was actually going to put the handcuffs on her uh, because of uh, obvious reasons. All right. And by the way, he, as you can imagine, he was also a mess. Poor guy. That's a tough way to go. All right. Let's go ahead and take uh, some phone calls. Uh, Sue, hello, Sue. You're up first. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. My dad's in a uh, a month-to-month rental at an apart- a senior apartment, 
and he just got a three-day notice to vacate. So I, I guess my question is, can they, uh, this is in L.A. County, can they legally give a three-day notice? To vacate? And, Based yes. on what? Just Conduct. I'm sorry? Conduct. Pond? Duck? Conduct. Poor conduct. Oh, poor conduct. Yes. Eh, it's three-day notices. Uh, no, 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 you can't. Uh, so he just goes ahead and pays the rent and see what they do. And there are three day notice to vacate. Then he has to um, answer the complaint. If he go, if uh, the landlord files an unlawful detainer, first you give a notice, whether it's three day notice, pay rent or quit, or a notice to vacate in general, uh, or and that's usually a thirty or sixty day notice pursuant to law, uh, or uh, it's you can argue poor conduct. We can't just allege it. You can't just say you're out in three days because of poor conduct. Well, what if there isn't poor conduct? Well, there probably is poor conduct. Well, but it doesn't matter. They have to prove poor conduct. Okay. Yeah, they can't. Then- they can't just allege it. So he answers the complaint. Uh, he tries to pay the rent. Pays the rent. Conversation over. And uh, if they accept it, and uh, then uh, there's a, a response he has to give, and he goes, "No, I'm fine." And then the landlord says, "No, you're not." In front of a judge, and he goes, "Here are the affidavits. Here are the witnesses, the neighbors who are saying horrible, horrible, horrible." And then the judge makes a termination. So. And I don't even know if three-day notice to vacate is legitimate to begin with. I don't do, uh, I don't do landlord-tenant law. I don't do eviction law. But uh, if if it's out there, uh, I'm unaware that there's a, a three-day notice because uh, I I've personally never heard of it. Maybe there is, but I think they've got an uphill battle. The landlord. And by the way, he well, he really is a bastard, right? What does he do that gets everybody so pissed off? Uh, well, I think so far this is just a corporate three-day notice. I don't think it's a legal one. But they have okay. Then to that they may they uh, may change then he doesn't, the locks then in he doesn't, three days. He can't. Oh God! He, he really wants them to change the locks in three days. That is an unlawful eviction, is what that is. Oh, that's a big one. They don't. They're not going to do that. Not if it's a big corporation. So what does he do, Sue? That gets everybody so pissed off. He uh, he can get a little angry. A little angry. So some anger management issues. And how uh, how would you describe a little angry? Well, he's got a cane. Got it, and, he hits and, pe- and he hits people with it? Uh, oh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll uh, do it. Okay, fair enough. Well, he's a little angry. He hits people with his cane. Okay, yeah. Okay, so if they change the locks, then can we call the sheriff's department? Uh, yeah, you don't get, no, you, you go to a lawyer instantly, and you try to get the locks changed back, and uh, you let them know. A lawyer instant deal deals with it. You'll uh, uh, You'll be absolutely fine with that. All right. Um, Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Hello, Shirley. What can I do for you? Okay. What you can do for me is help me clarify. Um, my husband wants, we want to buy a place in the state that he's from. Uh, they say that we have to show residency of 90 days and boom, that's his residency. So he's going to pay taxes out of state and not deal with California. And, and he, well, it, it, here's the problem. California doesn't agree with that. Well, um, okay, that's why I'm calling you because you're right. an expert. But it's not, we're offering to stay six months because we feel yes, like that's, that's the right thing to do. That's different. Six months plus one, six months plus one day, out, one day. Of, out of state. I mean, out of state. I don't even think you can come back. Uh, but well, um, yes, I understand that. So, what do you think about that? I think you're going to have a very hard time with California because what you're going to do is, of course, uh, not claim residency in California, which means you're not going to file in California. And you're going to uh, then 
uh, claim uh, residency in another state. So you're, I, here's the way. Here's the cleanest way of doing it. Uh, you give up this. A friend of mine did that when he moved to Nevada. And, okay. and it's let me tell you, California goes balls to the wall to make sure you're still here under any circumstances because they want the taxes. Brutal. Brutal is what California, the, the taxing authorities, there's nothing like it anywhere in the world. So well, I'm staying. I'm staying. Oh, it's, and you know. uh, so you're staying and it's a community issue. Uh, yeah, it's over then. Yeah. Then, then, over? then it's over in terms of uh, your if you're if you're paying community uh, and both of you are working or uh, you're married and everything is paid. Uh, well, even community assets, community income, you're done. Of course, you're California. They're not going to accept. Uh-huh. California is not going to accept the fact that one of you is out and one of you is in. Therefore, uh, there uh-huh. is no residency. Yeah, it doesn't work. Talk to an accountant with California. I mean, I was thinking in terms of when I was talking about my friend, he and his wife moved out of California, uh, gave, uh, sold the business, sold his house. Went to Nevada, new driver's license, new address, registered to vote. I mean, cut his ties completely with California. That is, uh, California had to accept that. Any tenuous connection with California, they say, oh, no, no, you're living here. They want the taxes. I mean, they, they just want the taxes, and they're not good about it, and they fight like crazy. This is Handle on the Law. Okay, uh, Tessa Barrera. Do I have that right, Tessa? You got it. It's pretty good. Our new human being here. <laughs> uh, and are you new to the station? Uh, did you come from uh, some other planet? That you, I, you... I came from, yes, another planet being Texas. Um, That's another planet. Did been you... in California for about a month now. Really? Yeah. No kidding. So why uh, Southern California? Um, have, you, have you been outside? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I always knew I wanted to live here. I spent some time here in my early 20s just kind of aimlessly roaming, but yeah. then uh, I had to go back, get a job. I was a sports anchor for four years, and now I'm back. Okay, I'm bored. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I, Sorry. Yeah, man. I got it. All right. Thanks very much. <laughs> Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, 800-520-1534. couple lines still open. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Uh, hey, Gary, you're up. Welcome to the show. Hi. Yes, sir. Hi, Bill. I was supposed to go to small claims court within two weeks. I get a phone. I'm being sued by my new accountant. I get a call from the producer of the Judge Judy show if I want to go on the show. I said, yes, but I am countersuing for $10,000. He said, well, you can countersue up for five, but there'll be no problem. I said, well, the only reason I'm coming on the show is I can countersue. Last week, I had I was on the show. She heard the case. She went ahead and finished the case, the first case, and then she says, okay, Mr. So-and-so, you have a uh, countersuit. you got two minutes to explain your countersuit. Within two seconds, before I even opened my mouth, she asked me if I liked my brand-new accountant. I said yes. She said case dismissed. She walked away from the – she got off the bench and walked away. I won the case. But she would not let me countersuit. The only reason I went on that show was to countersuit to get my $5,000. And I have a second question after this. Can I sue the producers of the show? Okay, uh, no. And I'll tell you why. If you look at the documents, if you look at what you signed, you agree to the decision made by the judge in all circumstances. There it is. And, I understand that. But so what do you do? Well, you can argue that, but they're going to say, hey, the judge, uh, whatever whatever the judge says, you agree to. That's it. 
It's that simple. Okay. Second question. Um, the person who was suing me was an individual but has a partner. Can I go back to small claims? Because I can't sue her anymore. No. Can I go back to small claims and sue him? No. Because he wasn't even on the case. No. Cannot. Because the entire because the entire because when you law when you file a suit you can't bifurcate it it's the entire suit otherwise let's say uh, there's a company that consists of four people that I want to sue four partners I sue one and I lose I sue the other I want to lose I lose I sue the other it would you can't do it first of all it's the rules of the court second of all it would tie up the court system if you're allowed to do that so you can't. That's it. You're done. You agreed to go on the Judge Judy show. You got your five grand, and uh, that that's the way it goes. You agreed to it. You signed it. And uh, by the way, it happens in small claims court all the time when the judges do that crap. Trust me. Okay. That, Judge Judy have- did nothing more than what happens in small claims court. All right, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hey, thank you so much for all your good advice. Yes, it's all it's very good to listen to. Yeah, very good hey, advice. I, good for you for thinking that. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I have a daughter who lives in Ventura County. She's lived in a place for 15 years where the property has three houses on it. And so she was given, um, because the property was sold, she was given a, a 30-day notice to take all of her stuff. And there's a lot of t- stuff you have for 15 years. And uh, and vacate because the properties was sold. Does is there any longer uh, yeah, time I, frame? I I don't know. First of all, is you're not in rent control in Ventura County. Otherwise, if you were within the city of Los Angeles or Santa Monica, even better, she would have rights like crazy. Sixty days relocation money. I mean, big relocation money. And in some cases, uh, they just uh, hand the tenant the keys to the entire apartment and say, "Here you go. You now own it." Uh, it's uh, that kind of, well, it's not quite that crazy, but pretty close. Uh, you have to look at the statute. There, It's California statute that controls, and it's 30 days under one circumstance and 60 under the other, and they yeah. may have changed it, but that's an easy one. Uh, if I had my computer handy, I would look it up, and if I had my computer handy, I wouldn't look it up anyway because uh, I have no desire to, give, to work to give you the right answer. So you get to go to the internet and just put in the uh, uh, search words, California statute, uh, uh, California stat moving. Uh, what, what would it be? Uh, yeah, just moving, forced to move. And it would be all right there. See, there you go. What do I do? Huh? I'm always, always uh, a font of good information. This is hand. Oh, no. Let me tell you uh, about uh, LifeLock. Uh, You know, there's a new victim of identity theft every two seconds. One out of four people have experienced identity theft. Have I? Well, yeah, but uh, I had LifeLock shut it down instantly. You know, cyber criminals can attack your laptop, tablet, smartphone without any warning, uh, warning, without you even knowing about it till way down the line. Well, LifeLock protects your identity. They now have Norton Security. They've added that to their program, and Norton Security protects your devices uh, against cyber threats like ransomware, malware, viruses. And if you have a problem, either way, LifeLock with Norton has agents who will work to fix that problem. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor every transaction or every business, but the new LifeLock with Norton Security provides more detection, more protection than ever before. Go to LifeLock.com. Or call 800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code HANDLE. 
for an additional 10% off plus off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card. And I've been a customer for north of 10 years. LifeLock.com promo code handle 800-LIFELOCK promo code handle certain terms apply. This is Handle on the Law. Yeah, we might be a candle in the wind, but let's pretend we're brown. And uh, this is uh, KFI Handle here. And uh, morning, everybody, on a uh, Saturday, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534, number to call. This is Handle on the Law, marginal, very marginal legal advice. You know, occasionally people go, I love your advice. You've helped me so much. You go, really? What planet are you on? I usually don't get that. I mean, I've had, uh, can I share a quick story with you? First time I ever uh, did Handle on the Law, I was at another radio station. And it was uh, the unmentioned radio station, uh, a station in Los Angeles called KBC. And I uh, started there uh, with Handle on the Law. And probably two weeks into the show, the program director, or actually the general manager, hauled me into uh, the office and uh, said, I just got a letter from an attorney. Uh, and you answered a question uh, about a trust uh, or a will, if my memory serves. And uh, the lawyer who specialized in trust and estates said, Handle gave the only piece of advice to the caller that would absolutely guarantee that she would never be able to inherit any money whatsoever, even though she claimed she wanted, uh, she thought she was a putative or thought she was entitled to some money. And so uh, the general manager looked at me and said, really? I mean, you know, what, what's going on? Oh, I said, he's probably right. What the hell do I know about trust and estates? You know, this is a radio show. And uh, so he looked down at the letter, looked at me, he said, well, just make sure the ratings are up. That's all I care about. And off I went. So it's good, good legal advice, sort of, kind of, which is why we call it marginal legal advice. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's, uh, let's do it. Hello, Mike. Mike, you're up. Welcome. Hello, Bill. Yes, sir. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm doing it like I'm, I'm doing a deal for a, a guy he lives in upstate New York, and I, I came down here. He's an old guy. His mom died. I'm down here fixing up his house. And to be honest with you, uh, the realtors, she's no good. She's a douche. Okay. So Nicely said. I don't even know if what, we can say what, that. Yes. What can we, but he's locked in with her. For how long? March. For how long? How long? Till March. Six All right, more months. Six more months. All right. So what's your question? Can I get – how do we get rid of her if she's yeah. not trying to yeah. do her uh, here's, job? Okay, here's the problem you're going to have. And this is why there are plenty of realtors. My brother's involved uh, with uh, a piece of property that he's gone through a couple of brokers who promise the moon and deliver nothing. And so he had exactly the same problem you do. And that is there's nothing stopping you from going to another realtor and saying you're fired. Uh, to the first one. However, if it sells subsequently to him or her being fired, in this case it's a her, uh, it's what will happen is, let's say, the new realtor sells the property within that six-month period that's left. I guarantee you a lawsuit from the first realtor saying, here's my contract. Here is I get my 3% or whatever the whole percentage uh, that you agree to, and you will have a, a, a legal battle on your hands. And your argument yeah, but- is going to be she did nothing. 
And she's right. gonna, and she's going to argue, yes, I did. And she'll come up with stuff that she did. She put a sign in the yard and put it on the Internet. Okay. She, okay. Well, that's going to – she's going to argue that is uh, what she was hired to do. She didn't even list it on ML uh, – what do they call it? Uh, multiple listing system, ML, MLS. Just put it up on uh, – literally just put it up on the Internet. No listing on MLS. No, no, she has it on MLS. Okay, she so she's an- so okay, so she's put it on MLS, which only a realtor can do. All right, and she's right. put signs up. And how do you know she hasn't talked to people? How do you know she hasn't networked, made phone calls? And the problem is that's what she's. How do you know what she I has? Called her. There were people here looking at the property. It's 100 acres of land. People come up here with their ATVs and drive around. I called her the other day. I go, can you follow up with the potential buyer from a week ago? I offended I, I offended her to follow up with them. All right. I offended her. Okay, so Mike, Mike, here it is. Dump her, hire another realtor to sell it, and defend a lawsuit. There you go. Or or you do what other property owners do, and that is they simply let the listing expire. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a question of not, practicality. That's all. I understand that. But that, that why stand I'm sorry? Now, if there's people who are interested and she won't follow up. Then you follow, then you follow up. Then you follow up. And then you and then you fight on the and then you fight on the commission on the other side. She gets the commission. You sue her. You sue her instead of her suing you, saying that she wouldn't even that she effectively totally breached the contract. Especially if you're talking about there were people that she refused to follow up on, and you can prove that where you prove there were people you gave her the name and she wouldn't even make a phone call to those people. That gets kind of interesting. That sure smells to me like she breached. But as I said. Uh, Truly, truly uh, a lawsuit. I've never heard of a, of a realtor that within the listing period and someone else sold the property did not go for the money, ever. Hi, Lily. Yes, yes Hi. ma'am. Hi. Hi. Oh, I love you, Bill. Uh, well, anyway. As well you should. Yes, ma'am. That is correct. Anyway, I got another real estate problem. Uh, I live in a beautiful, wonderful, gated community, but on my way home, I have to pass this abandoned property, two boarded-up houses, and people are dumping trash and mattresses on the property. Well, I'm taking the bull by the horns. I am going to rent a truck this morning, and I'm going to get my grandson to help me remove the mattresses from this disgusting property. The mattresses are really up front. Uh, so it's not like I'm trespassing, I don't think. Where do I begin to get this property cleaned up? You go. I think you go to the homeowner association. You're within an HOA, correct? Oh no, no, oh no, 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 no. I'm in a homeowner's association, but outside when I leave oh, the association, that's a problem. That's a the, that's on, a problem. On the street. That's on a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. You can call. Where do we go? All right. Yeah. What you can do is call uh, building and safety for starters, okay. and there okay. is there is a mechanism where the uh, building and safety, the state, or the county in this case, would go to the yeah. owners of the property and tell them to clean the place up. If they refuse to do it, uh, and it's through an entire process, what will happen is they will come in and do it and will oh. and will bill the owners. Okay. So start with yeah. building and safety. You also want to go to your city council person. 
and uh, in, in your uh, district. Also, I don't think anybody's going to complain about you removing the mattresses. I don't think that's going to be a okay. problem. Uh, okay. So start with that and uh, force the yeah. issue. And uh, that's what you can do. Yeah, usually, especially if a property has been foreclosed and the bank picks it up, uh, the bank then is forced to clean the place up and make it presentable. And they want to anyway because they want to sell it. Why wouldn't they do that? They're sitting on a piece of property. The loan's in default because my guess is if a property has been abandoned like that and mattresses in the front yard, I mean, just garbage strewn, my guess is whoever owns the property is not making payments on it. And so uh, there's uh, no doubt of foreclosure. Now, if it's in the middle of a foreclosure and it's whoever's responsible, but the bank will end up having it. And it could be just a matter of a little bit of time, nothing more, nothing less. All right. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. Oh, it's Saturday night. Saturday morning, uh, there is a story that's breaking right now, and uh, that's an area around Pittsburgh. Uh, The Tree of Life Congregation Synagogue has been sealed off. Uh, There is, it's an active shooter situation, uh, according to uh, U.S. media, all of us. The gunman opened fire at at responding police officers. Unconfirmed reports uh, say that eight people have already died, one person wounded, uh, no official confirmation. A number of people are still inside the building with the shooter. Uh, witnesses called uh, 911 and said that this gunman walked into the synagogue and just opened fire. Obviously, uh, there are responders. The police have uh, blanketed the area. And so as this story breaks and as we get more and more information, uh, we will give it to you for sure. Let me repeat, active shooter. Uh, unconfirmed reports eight people died at a synagogue Uh, near uh, Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Linda, you've got a a half interesting story. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Yes. Hi, Bill. I live in a rental apartment in Orange County, and I pay extra rent for a parking space in a security garage under the building. When I went to my new car, uh, a little recently, it was sitting up on cement blocks, and all four wheels and tires had been stolen. And management says it has no responsibility for the seven thousand dollar cost of replacing that and doing the body work. And they said that's because I signed a uh, a forty seven page lease with a two sentence clause in it that says they're not responsible for any losses or personal injury. Are they? Uh, yeah, I think they would be. And uh, because that uh, presupposes that they have taken reasonable steps to secure the uh, property. So now you have to look uh-huh. at it's a secure property. What have they done? What is the definition of secure? And uh, if, they, if they say it's secure and it's not, uh, they, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to waive liability. But it, uh-huh. you, have, you have to look at. Uh, and what, and what is, let me ask you this: uh, What is the difference yeah. between secure and non-secure uh, within that uh, within that v- building? It has a gate that is um, that you open with a remote control when you approach it with your car. Well, their argument may be that uh, they can't; they're not responsible for criminal acts that take place unless mm-hmm. there is liability. And so they're saying, "Here's what we did." 
Uh, we have a more secure area than not. And what what would you want them to do? I uh, have a, a full time security guard, for example. Do they pay for that? Well, I no. Well, they they that since hired one. Uh, two cars were hit in this garage okay. uh, yeah. at four thirty in the morning. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, you can't use that if you're suing uh-huh. them. Uh, you cannot right. sue what they've done to fix the situation. That's not allowed in court. So uh, there's nothing wrong with trying, uh, trying, and it's a, okay. it, it's going to be a small claim suit, and yeah. uh, the judge is going to look and ask those questions to himself. And if the judge has ever had his car or her car stolen, you got a winner on your hands. If the judge's uh, family owns apartment buildings, you're screwed. And uh, it's, and and then you have the issue of going against your own insurance company, and you you have the deductible, and maybe you sue for the deductible. Yeah. Although that does ding uh-huh. that does ding your insurance, but if that's the only issue you have. Uh, that you were, I, matter of fact, I think if you're a victim of crime, I don't know if mm-hmm. that does go against your insurance. Do you have an insurance agent? Yes, sure. Call call your insurance agent because if it turns out that there is, uh, you're not going to get dinged on your insurance. In other words, at, at fault huh. or uh, call for deductible. Uh, I just hit a cone on my car, and uh-huh. uh, it was. Uh, I still think it's it's going to go against me, and I mm-hmm. have. Uh, oh God, it's a long story. I have a BMW, yeah. which I'm never going to have again, ever. So uh-huh. I called my insurance agent, and I found out that it was going to cost, I mean, a billion dollars to fix the car because Beamers cost a fortune. And I said, I'm replacing it. And he said, uh, and I go, I'm sure I'm going to get cheaper insurance. And he said, no, you're replacing it with what? A 1982 Toyota is what I'm going to get to replace the car. Uh-huh. But anyways, I would uh, I, the, the first thing I would do is ask the insurance company or call your agent okay. and say, is this going to hurt me? If it doesn't hurt you, you go against your insurance and sue for the deductible. So uh, there's the answer. A sh- that was a short answer done in a very long, uh, long form. All right, uh, Liz, you're up. Welcome Hi. to Handle on the Law. Hi, Liz. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, I um, thank you. I uh, set up a revocable trust a couple years ago. It cost me a couple thousand dollars. And then I went back in to see the attorney just to check up. He said, oh, uh, neither, kid, neither of my two kids, I have two kids that are beneficiaries, neither of them were married at the time I did the uh, trust. So I went back in for a check. And he says, oh, you need to get insurance for uh, your kids if they get a divorce after you die, they're divorced. And the divorced spouse comes in to try to get some money. So you need insurance to protect the kids for that. Uh, and I'm thinking, and of course that costs a couple of thousand. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you would need insurance because it's real but, simple. The trust is simply written in. It, it goes to your kids. It doesn't go to the yeah, spouse. It goes. It goes it's, to the kids. My kids. Yeah. So I, so why do you need insurance? I just don't get it. Well, I mean, the law is real simple. It goes to your kids. Yeah. Whether they're married. Yeah, whether they're oh, married. Law firm sells insurance. Aha! <laughs> All right, here's the bottom line. I don't know why you would need insurance. Because, as I said, uh, the trust, uh, when you die, it goes straight to your kids. Spouses have absolutely uh, no claim on that insurance. It's separate property. Uh, it's an inheritance. And so, no, especially if this firm is selling insurance. Uh, oh, yeah, it's it's they're trying to hustle you for insurance money. That's what that was my feeling. <laughs> yeah. And uh, insure. And what I don't get is insurance for what? To protect them against what? Against the spouse, the divorce spouse taking them to court. Well, they're going to take them to court anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, if you've got you're going to argue people if it's a lot of money that's being left, inevitably the divorce spouse is going to get 
uh, is going to go to court. And incidentally, there's no chance the divorced spouse is going to get a dime. The only issue is if it's lots of money, they file the suit, and effectively the lawyer says, tell you what, why don't you give me some money and we'll drop the suit? It becomes a nuisance uh, issue where you don't want to deal with it. Uh, the money's tied up. Uh, it's just uh, that's what happens. you got these sleazeball attorneys who just is simply an act of extortion uh, and yeah. uh, insurance on whose life? Yeah. Whose life do they want you insured? Do they tell you? No. <laughs> just life insurance in general. Yeah. Okay, well, here's, okay. Oh, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. All right, let me change my mind. Uh, I want you to go ahead and ask them about life insurance. And as a beneficiary, I want you to know uh, my last name is spelled with an E-L, not with an L-E. Okay? Okay. All right? So uh, uh-huh. make sure it's William W. Handel as the beneficiary of your life insurance policy. <laughs> okay. All right? Thank yeah. you much. Okay. This is Handel on the Law. Everybody, Handel here on a Saturday morning, right up until eleven o'clock. Uh, there is a story breaking right now, and uh, that is uh, around uh, Pittsburgh. Actually, in Pittsburgh, uh, the Tree of Life Congregation Synagogue uh, has been sealed off. Uh, a gunman is inside the synagogue, uh, according to uh, the media. He simply wa- and, if, and witnesses. He simply walked in and started shooting. Unconfirmed reports, eight people have died, one person wounded. That is, has not been confirmed. A number of people remain in the building as the gunman, who is also inside. Can you imagine the response right now in uh, the the synagogue and the entire area being cordoned off? And, of course, uh, police there in huge numbers. And uh, so at this point, we do not know what's going on. Uh, The story is still breaking, and that's all the information we have now. But as we get more and more information, absolutely, I'll share that with you. All right, the phone number here for uh, legal advice, 800-520-1534, This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Pretty good uh, hour uh, last time around where I had uh, tons of people that had no case. All right. Uh, here is a uh, story, and this is one where uh, what do you do with the law on this one? How do you apply the law? Because it's so – what happens is stuff is so strange that the authority is going, okay, what do we do with this one? And this has to do uh, here locally, Davis, uh, a Davis High School student – Uh, is accused of baking her grandfather's ashes into a batch of uh, cookies, sugar cookies specifically, and giving them to classmates, of which uh, these classmates ate the cookies, and part of the recipes was granddad's ashes. At a public uh, charter school, at least nine students were given these cookies. Uh, Some uh, ate the cookies without knowing of this extra ingredient and were horrified. Others knew. So a school resource officer uh, officer reports uh, two female students are involved in bringing the cookies to school and hand them out. 
And um, now uh, police have opened a case and are trying to figure out what law has been broken. Ashes are fine. I mean, that is, I guess, adulterating cookies, but certainly no harm. There's nothing in there that causes any harm to anybody. And certainly for the students that knew they were eating granddad's ashes, there's no issue, I don't think. Uh, The few that didn't know, maybe there's uh, emotional distress because uh, probably most people would be a little upset about uh, eating uh, this other gal's grandfather, at least in ash form. And uh, so the cops are considering a California penal code regarding the disposal of human remains in an improper manner. But, you know, ashes, I don't know. Although you're not allowed to spread ashes in public places. You can't go to a public park, for example, and spread ashes. But the law does not uh, consider baking those ashes into cookies. So uh, it was, uh, they're looking uh, with the school, they're working with the school to figure out how do you proceed with this one? Because certainly this is not a good thing. I think it's hilarious, personally. I mean, that's a hell of a story. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, take some phone calls here. All right, Dorothy. Hi, Dorothy. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Can you tell me if it's possible to see an attorney that would take my case against my uh, insurance company for refusing to approved for me to go to a disease and specialist doctor out of my network zone. Okay. Well, uh, if the insurance plan you have does not pay for doctors that are not part of uh, the network, what, on what basis are you going to sue the insurance company because that's part of your contract with them? Because the ones in my network zone will not follow up with my negative lab report. Okay, that's the problem you have with the doctors, not with the insurance company. No, but the doctors, if they're refusing not to follow up when my lab tests are saying okay, I Okay, but that's, but that's the doctors who are refusing to follow up. What, are the, what does the insurance company have to do with it? They're supposed to do what they've been doing, and now they're uh, just saying no. What have they been, what have they been doing? They've sent me to another one. Okay. They, within the network or outside the network? That They have sent me out of the network okay. before on other cases. Okay. Well, here's your problem. Uh, if, if the contract calls for uh, other doctors out of network to get involved, let's say the doctors in network can't deal with it, uh, then, yeah, then I think you have an issue. Uh, but uh, my guess is that they're not required to and they just do it. Uh, you know, for example, let me give you an example. Uh, uh, my dad, and we're part of Kaiser, which is a large HMO in the country, and it's all network. I mean, you, your doctors are in Kaiser. They don't pay a dime for doctors outside of the network, not a penny. So we go to outside doctors, we pay for it. Unless you're out of the area, unless you can't have access to a Kaiser doctor. I mean, it's a I'm little... with LA Care. Okay, I'm just telling you. I'm giving an uh-huh. example of okay. what happens. I'm out of uh, out of uh, out of uh, the network. Well, what happened was my dad needed heart surgery, and they were so filled up that they brought in doctors outside of the network, but they didn't have to. 
Your insurance company doesn't have to. And if it did before, doesn't mean it has to now. So the bottom line, uh, Dorothy, I don't think you have a case. Well, if, if, if the doctors are not willing to follow up. Yeah, I get it. Then you have a problem with the doctors. No, but the insurance company is supposed to send me where I can get the service I need. And they're the ones that have the option of saying yes or no. You just said they have the option of saying yes or no. Notice the word you just used. Yes, but the reason they can say no is because uh, they're saying there's someone in my network, but I've proven to them they will not follow up on my lab Okay, so, all right, but they're saying, do they say they need to follow up, or is that your call that they need to follow up? Well, my symptoms are getting worse. Is it your call? You see, but here's the problem. You're now playing doctor, Dorothy. No, it's visual. They've actually seen my Okay, then you, you know what? Okay, all right. Here we go. All right. Showing. Assuming all of that is true. Right. All right. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. There isn't a lawyer I know who would touch it. There isn't enough money in it. There's your problem also is because uh, failure to follow up. It, it would be, you know, when we have a case when you're dead as a result of their failure to follow up and their duty bound to do that. So tell you what, after you die, call me. And we'll talk about a case. And then I'll get a lawyer or two that will be interested. This is Handle on the Law. Keep seeing visions of you. Visions of visions of you. I keep getting stuck in this day. Stuck in this day. And KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning. There is an active shooting situation in Pittsburgh at a synagogue. And... Uh, Unconfirmed reports are that eight people uh, have been killed. Fox is saying that multiple fatalities reported. We have no number uh, as far as confirmation other than, according to Fox, uh, unconfirmed reports. Now, CNN is reporting right now that the gunman has surrendered. That just broke this second. And uh, we are uh, obviously the first responders. The entire area has been cordoned off. It was an active shooting situation. And uh, he had gone into the synagogue. Witnesses said after calling 911 that this man just showed up, walked into the synagogue and started shooting it up. And uh, keep in mind, this is a Saturday morning in Pittsburgh, Eastern time. So it's about 1130. And so Saturday morning prayers uh, would be uh, letting out. Uh, about and uh, so uh, it certainly is a situation where a lot of congregants would have been uh, in the synagogue and so the latest is the gunman has surrendered and now it's no longer an active shooting situation and now it's uh, just a question of uh, counting up uh, the lives that were lost and the wounded and reporting on that another one right unbelievable it just, well, no, that's not true. It's believable because this is uh, where we are here in America. It's uh, just uh, that crazy. You know, you shake your head and go, you know, what is going on? I mean, have you ever thought, And uh, as I grew up and I knew new technology was coming and it was going to be a different world and people were going to work less because of the invention of technology as it was moving forward, people are working more. The polarization would stop. People are more polarized than ever before. It may be the worst polarization we've had since maybe the Civil War. 
uh, it's uh, it, it's a horrible thing that's going on. So anyway, just to repeat, uh, now it's uh, according to CNN, uh, gun, the gunman has surrendered, no longer an active shooting, and now it's just a question of counting up the victims. And uh, we will all we have now is Fox reporting multiple multiple victims. Oh, good lord! Um, okay, let me share. Should I do the life lock? Uh, you know, let me do the life lock spot, and then we'll go and take a break, and then come back and do more handle on the new on the law, and uh, I'll be breaking in whenever something extraordinary comes up. So, uh, a little bit about life lock. There is a new victim of identity theft every two seconds. One in four people have experienced identity theft. My daughter Barbara, a few months ago, and LifeLock shut it down. And that's why we've been customers of LifeLock for so long. Because once identity theft actually occurs, it becomes a nightmare to unravel that. So if you're a customer of LifeLock, they take care of it. I mean, they protect against identity theft. Now, as far as your devices are concerned, they've added Norton Security for more protection against cyber threats. threats. So LifeLock, uh, LifeLock protects your identity. Norton protects your uh, devices. That's a hell of a combination. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or all cybercrime or monitor every transaction in every business. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security provides even more detection, even more protection against cyber threats. Go to lifelock.com or call 800-LIFELOCK. Either way, use the promo code HANDLE for an additional 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card. That's lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE, 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, terms apply. This is HANDLE on the law. Saturday morning, 800-520-1534. A couple lines open, 800-520-1534. We were following a story at a uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh. Uh, a uh, shooter came into uh, the synagogue, uh, started shooting the place up. Uh, police responded. Uh, so far, we know that three police officers have been shot. Uh, multiple casualties, Uh Confirmed, Fox uh, confirms that there are multiple fatalities. The shooter has been arrested. And so now it's a question of uh, just counting up the victims, unfortunately. I'll keep you apprised as soon as we get some more uh, hard news. 800-520-1534. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Amini. There you are, Amini. What can I do for you? Yes, Amini. Yes, sir. Amini, yes, good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. Yes, please. I was working uh, August last year on a company of uh, batteries, a towing company. I worked for them about 10 days. And then around the seventh day, he told me there's a, a problem with your background check. I told him I would like to get a copy of my background check. Then he told me, okay, come on Monday. So I worked on Saturday and Sunday. Then when I came on Monday, he said, no, you, you cannot work with us anymore. So I told him, can I get pay for the days that I worked? Then he told me, no, I'm not going to pay you. So I went to the labor department uh, that night to file a complaint 
I filed a complaint. They sent me a letter to come after six months. We went there, and the guy came, and one lady, she came as well for us to solve the problem. So he denied that I worked there. Basically, when he said that, I didn't agree. So I told him we need to go to the next step, which is we're going to go to court. They said, okay, we will send you a letter after six months. They didn't send me a letter. I went back there, and I asked them what's going on with my case. She said, yeah, we're still waiting. We're going to send you a letter. I told her how long it's going to take. She said, there is no deadline for to send you a letter. I told her, if we're going to stay there for more time, then the evidence is going to be no more evidence. So I would like to get advice. What should I do? Okay, well, the trick is you gather the evidence, and the evidence is the evidence. And that yeah. is statements from people who will say, yes, I saw him working there. Uh, if you have the address of people that you delivered batteries to, uh, you have that's evidence. And uh, people... No, I have the evidence. I have the evidence. Then, okay. Then if you have the evidence, you have the evidence. So, so if they give... the deadline to go back to court? Uh, well, I think once you've made... Once you file and they give you the letter... Uh, to allow you to court, I mean, that, I think, opens it up. I don't think there is a statute there. And if there is a statute situation and they argue the statute is gone, you simply argue that, uh, no, it's not, because uh, they wouldn't give you uh, the letter allowing you to go to court. Also, I'm surprised you didn't appeal that uh, initial decision because you have an appeal system uh, beyond that. Uh, An initial determination is made. And uh, then you go up, uh, up the ladder. So uh, th- it's uh, you, what you're doing. What's happened is you're caught in this system, this bureaucracy, uh, this day and age where fewer people are asked to do far more in government. And uh, this it's a crazy bureaucracy. And if there's a policy, they send it out within 90 days, for example, you'll get it within six months. If there is a policy uh, I didn't get it within six okay, months. Okay, no, I'm just I saying if there's a policy, I get it. But if there's a policy of 90 days, you'll get it within six months. If it's true that there is no policy in terms of the time they send it to you, uh, Amini, how old are you? 30 years old. 30. God, there's a good chance you'll be dead, uh, <laughs> you know, before you do that. But that's that's the problem you have is getting caught in the bureaucracy. So you simply have to play the game. And you have to pressure and pressure and pressure and keep on going and appeals. Uh, I mean, you have the case. The problem is you're dealing with the bureaucracy. Uh, and you did everything right, incidentally. You did everything right. All right, Joanne. Hi, Joanne. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Uh, several months ago, I went to the dentist uh, to replace uh, upper partial. And, of course, when you get uh, get anything like that... Um, you have to go back for adjustments because you get some sore spots on your on your um, gum, and then they they I guess they use they file it down somewhat, and I've done that, but that upper partial um, it's almost like my mouth in prison, and I can compare it with the original one I had, which I still use, but it's it's old and it's falling apart. All right. So, um, so- I went back for the the adjustments, and. Um, I went back the last time, and he didn't just anything. He just, like, shrugged his shoulders. All right. So I, I don't know what else to do. Okay, it gets real easy. First of all, you go to another dentist. Okay. Uh, and you get it done right. Okay. All 
I mean, that's for starters. And then you figure out what you pay the other dentist and you sue the first dentist for that. So let's say the adjustment adjustment is several hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And the first dentist either has refused to do it, as you say, or has done it improperly. Yeah. Either way, you turn around, just sue him in small claims court. Oh, I hate going to the court. Yeah, that, there's no other way of doing it. Mm, okay. Yeah, what are you going to do? Call the dental police and have them arrested? <laughs> Arrest him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, uh, you know, welcome to the system. Okay, there's Marissa. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Bill. I have a question. I want to know if my daughter has any recourse. Um, She has a small business, uh, clothing business on the Internet, where she has T-shirts and she prints sayings and all sorts of things on the T-shirts and sells them. The other day she came upon a website that actually has one of her photographs from her website where she is actually modeling one of the T-shirts. What this company has done is actually cropped the picture, so you don't see my daughter's face or anything, but you see, you know, the torso and the T-shirt she was wearing. What they did is take it from a photograph. They changed it, kind of made it into a cartoon. They used a program, make it into a cartoon-like thing, and they've printed all of that on the T-shirt and are selling them. Okay, you want to know if she can do anything. Well, first of all, uh, it's kind of hard to prove that it was her with uh, her face isn't showing. I mean, you can argue it's her and uh, using her likeness, but it really isn't her likeness. Uh, but, uh, okay. but it's her design on the T-shirt. That's a different story. First of all, we talked about uh, this is the first thing is a photograph. All right? right. That's part number one. Part number two of that is uh, I don't know if uh, that is an infringement by taking her basic uh, premise and then making a cartoon out of it. Now, is it exactly the same or does it exaggerate yes. it? Uh, is no. there no issue that it's exactly the same? Then you have uh, then you have an issue of uh, I mean, infringement. And so yes, what she does you also. Actually, you can, excuse me. You can actually see my daughter's long hair, you mm. know, on the T-shirt where it went exactly before. It's the exact same picture, just cropped. All right. Like but I then said. that's just a cease and desist. That's an easy one. So okay. uh, that's not where you want to go. Uh, using her likeness for commercial purposes. And the argument is you can't see her face. So she right. has long hair. Okay, well, no one else has long hair. Yeah. Right? She's no, unique in long hair. Can, so You can tell every single thing on the on the cartoon and the photograph are identical. And including her face? No, her face is not there. Okay, so you can't... So that, so that part of it, it doesn't matter. Now let's go okay. to... The T-shirt and the infringement. So mm-hmm. what uh, the, the what you, what her recourse is is to send a cease and desist letter. Okay. All right, and then uh, then they either stop or they don't stop, and then if not, you simply sue. Right. For okay. infringement, and then that gets interesting because what are you going to sue for? How much money? So how much money do they make on it? What do they sell? Right. How, how how many mm-hmm. have they sold? And uh, mm-hmm. you're certainly not going to get a lawyer who's going to take it on contingency. You're going to start writing checks to lawyers. Right. And here's the problem. Things are knocked off all of the time. I know that. And uh, is is a drawing. Now, I'm assuming she didn't trademark this stuff, did she? No, she only has her actual logo as a trademark, and that is not on that T-shirt. Yeah, see, there's the problem, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knockoffs constantly occur. 
you know, welcome yeah. to the welcome to the world. And if you're talking about how many T-shirts does she sell? How many different uh, designs? Um, I don't know. She's probably got 15, 20. Okay, and this is one. Well, there's one that she showed me. I don't know if there's actually more. Well, if it's worth it to get a lawyer, then you get a lawyer. Again, you're going to be writing checks to lawyers, and it's hundreds of dollars an hour, obviously. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's just one of those things where I think you have to live with uh, uh, with knockoffs. Other than uh, I would hire a lawyer to send a cease and desist. Okay. I would hire a lawyer to say, hey, you don't stop this right now. We're taking you to court. And that may and do how much? And how much do you think uh, lawyers would charge for a cease and desist? Oh, a couple hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah, not very much. I mean, that's worth it. It's a letter. It's uh, and she can do it herself. I mean, there are, uh, you can pull it right off the internet. There are cease and desist. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There are plenty of them. The legal language is in there. It just doesn't have okay. the same oomph that a lawyer's yeah. letter has. The other yeah, thing she can do is uh, she can sign her name as an attorney, and then get nailed for practicing law without a license. But at least it gets the same oomph. See, if the oh, other side thinks she's name. a lawyer, that works out too. This is Handle on the Law. Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, story, big story this morning that broke uh, a little while ago at a Pittsburgh synagogue. Uh, a shooter went in and just opened fire. At least uh, 12 people shot in the synagogue, at least four dead. Already is being reported by CNN. The shooter has been arrested, and it is being reported that three cops, uh, three police officers who responded have also been shot. And a 911 call, a witness said uh, that uh, this guy just walked into the synagogue and just opened fire. And uh, if you know anything about synagogues, uh, normally uh, they don't have security people in the front door. And, of course, uh, during the course of services, which uh, happened, uh, it was either just before or just after a service. Uh, Saturday morning, obviously, is, well, maybe not obviously, but Saturday morning is when services take place. And uh, it's um, just walked in and started shooting place up, and the doors are uh, kept open. They don't lock the doors. Uh, so there, the police are have arrested him, and uh, now we're just waiting for the numbers of those dead and those shot and wounded, and how serious the uh, the wounds are. And as soon as uh, any uh, major story comes out of there, major major facts, uh, we'll repeat them to you. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Paco, uh, here you go. You're up. Welcome to the show, Paco. Good morning. How are you, sir? Yes, sir. What can I, I do for you? I need to know if I can sue somebody. I sold my car like a month ago. The guys came over to see the car, drove the car, check everything around the car. I um, <clears throat> We make a contract as it is. Everything was fine. I got the money. I left. And then half an hour later, they call me back and say, oh, all the lights went on. The car, something wrong with the car, this and this and this and that. At the end of the deal, I give the money to the guy, but I told the guy, I said, you know what? I'm going to take the car to the mechanic, and whatever happens to my car, you're going to pay for it. Now I'm testing the guy, calling the guy. He never answered. All right, well what, well, well, what is wrong with the car? I mean, it has all the check engine on. And all right, so what is, what is wrong with the car? Well, he says he, No, I don't, he care what he, I don't care what he says. What is wrong with the car? 
Something is wrong with the transmission. The transmission doesn't ship. What is, uh, it stays on the, on the second gear. Okay, what does it have to do with the lights? It was a sensor light for the transmission? Yes. Okay, and uh, so that didn't happen when you sold them the car? No. It just half happened with it? Okay. All right, so half an hour later, the transmission uh, somehow is, is frozen in second gear. It doesn't go beyond second gear. And uh, have you taken it to a mechanic? Not yet, because, I mean, I, I'm trying to get hard all of the guy. He doesn't answer the calls or anything like that. All right. And uh, when you took the money back, you told him he is going to rep- uh, pay for uh, any repairs. That was verbal. Yes. That was verbal, yes. correct? Verbal, yes. Okay, so his but side I, I of it. I still had a contract. All right. So he, had a contract right, of, I understand. Yeah, yeah, but but you but you uh, you accepted his money. Yeah, I know. Okay, you, here's what happened. There's a contract. You sold it. Half an hour later, he comes back. I'm really not happy. And instead of saying, you saying too bad, you say, here's your money back. Uh, the contract has now been abrogated. And you told him verbally he's going to have to pay for any repairs. Now, he, he's always, and he's going to say, I didn't do anything in half an hour. I didn't do anything to the car. You took the car back. We're done. Where, where are you going to go with that, Paco? Even if you even if you contact him, where are you going to go with that? That's true. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go no place. On two different levels, you're going to go no place legally, and you're probably going to go no place when it comes to driving the car. See, it's a double hit. Marco. Hi, Marco. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, Marco, you're up. See, Marco's probably listening to the radio. Hello? Oh, there you are. All right, Marco. What can I do for you? No, it's Martin. Oh, Martin. Okay, all right, yeah. fair enough. You're off the hook. Okay, my screener. Okay. What can I do for you, Martin? Sorry. Uh, my basic question is: Can you get a quadro reversed? Oh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Thanks for the. Do call. you know what? A- no, I. Yeah, I, I know what a quadro is, but I don't know if you can get it reversed. Uh, this is where I really know my stuff, isn't it? Uh, Joe, hello, Joe. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Okay. Good morning. Yes, sir. Um, well, about six months ago, um, my niece, she's an employee for the city of Palos Verdes, and another employee, he was a city inspector, uh, set up a camera in the public restroom at City Hall, and he was videotaping um, the employees uh, using the restroom. He was caught. Uh, he's currently being prosecuted. And my question is, does my niece have any recourse? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, obviously, he's city. being – yeah, he's obviously being prosecuted. Uh, but uh, uh, do you have video of her being videoed? Do you have that in your hands? The city has told her that she is on the video. Okay, so you're going to sue for whatever damage. Uh, let's say you get a she lawyer to sue her. And uh, what is – I'm assuming she's devastated now and she's going to – uh, a psychologist and can't wake up in the morning and she's hysterical and has nightmares and had to leave the job, correct? Absolutely. Is that really what happened? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, well, yeah, you can uh, you can argue that. Sure, when she found out and argue that it's an agency and he worked for the city, yeah, yeah, I think, I think a lawyer will pick it up. Especially if you're uh, talking about those kinds of damages, uh, she found out that. Now, the, the restroom, are we talking about in the stalls or are we talking about uh, in the uh, the restroom itself where you wash your hands and uh, you walk into the stalls? The way I understand it, it's a restroom with no stalls. It's just you walk in and there's the toilet, the sink, and everything. It's all in one area. Oh, it's a single-use uh, restroom. 
Yes. Okay. So, uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they uh, obviously, if the video shows her uh, using the restroom and without any visible protection, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you ought to. Uh, I would talk to a lawyer about that. Absolutely. And the fact that she has nightmares, will never sleep again, and is so emotionally distraught. And people are. I mean, that's one of those things where it's not just, uh, I got hit and I was rear-ended and I'll never be able to sleep again. You know, that normal crap that you hear. Uh, You know, I mean, there's some emotional issues when someone is videoing uh, someone in the restroom, for sure. Yeah, I'll talk to a lawyer about that. See where you can go with that. For sure. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning. Uh, First, your phone number, and I'm going to tell you what's going on in Pittsburgh. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534 to call in and have me yell at you and give you marginal legal advice. And um, top of the hour, always the best time to call because we do have lines open as we normally do. Now, moving over to uh, Pittsburgh uh, at a synagogue Uh, In Pittsburgh, a man walked in and just started shooting the place up. CNN is reporting at least 12 people shot, at least four dead. Uh, So obviously this is a mass shooting. Uh, The suspect is in custody or a suspect is in custody as being reported by Fox. Uh, The number of dead, of course, uh, well, is being reported by CNN. Fox is only reporting that uh, there are multiple fatalities Three police officers were also shot. We do not know if uh, any of the police officers were among the dead. And uh, so uh, that, of course, has become the major story. Saturday morning in a synagogue, jammed. Saturday morning services. So uh, clearly uh, the gunman took the uh, the most opportune time to shoot up uh, the synagogue to kill as many people as possible. Ugh. Another horrible story. All right. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, this is a story of a Virginia man who had an issue with his mother-in-law. And he has been arrested. I'm looking at his mugshot. Oh, my God, what a piece of work this guy is. Uh, It looks like he may not even have any teeth. This man desperately needs uh, cutting dental, for sure. All right, so how did he attempt to kill his mother-in-law? Well, he put methamphetamine in her coffee, and uh, he uh, pled guilty. David uh, Jack David Price, uh, 60, 56 years old, was sentenced to six years in prison uh, as a result of a plea deal, and he reported, no, actually he admitted to putting meth in his 95-year-old mother's-in-law's uh, coffee. And she was admitted to the hospital, showing signs of meth in her system. Her granddaughter uh, told authorities that she suspected that he was trying to kill a grandma. And Esther Price, granddaughter, told the authorities that before grandma became ill, Jack Price brought her coffee, which he never did before. That was not an ordinary uh, event. So he... Uh, of course, was uh, arrested and pled guilty, and the prosecutors dropped the attempted first-degree murder charge in exchange for him pleading guilty to altering food, drink, or drugs and other offenses and uh, received uh, six years. He got away really lightly on this one. 
trying to kill someone with methamphetamine. That's attempted murder right out. And uh, it's, well, at least the prosecutor is going to argue. He's going to argue, I just wanted to get her. I, I just wanted her to get her clean, to get her to clean the house quickly. That's all I wanted her to do. I was doing her a favor. So, and the other part, I will also tell you the other defense uh, he would have if he went to trial. This is my mother-in-law. And you'll have jurors going, yeah, I'm in the room. Yeah, it's his mother-in-law. Yeah, you have to understand that. I mean, that's just not the same, you know? Okay, so much for that. I'm sure I'm going to get an email or two regarding mothers-in-law. And and I happen to have loved my mother-in-law, by the way. Uh, she was the greatest gal in the entire world. I was crazy about her. And unfortunately, uh, she was uh, taken away from the family by cancer at way, way too early an age. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, take phone calls. Uh, Leland, let's start with you. Hello, Leland. Welcome to Handle on the Law. I am single, and I've done my will with an Internet program. It is exactly what I want. It's notarized and witnessed by three people. My question is, I have two daughters who tend to be princesses, and I am not leaving them but $500 and I'm leaving two houses to one of their competitors who is, uh, I'm just going to say, a non-biological kid. Okay, wait a sec. When you talk about their competitors, was this a, a child that you raised? Um, no, I, I, I'm just mentoring him. Okay. Uh, All right. Are, okay. Are, are not here. Yeah. And uh, But my, my daughter is jealous of him. Yeah, I'll bet. How much money are we talking about, Leland, that you're leaving uh, this uh, this young man or this young lady and uh, the daughters you're leaving $500 or nothing to? And I'm leaving the $500 to the two. Uh, right, no, I get it. How much money is a uh, total estate? Well, it's going to be two houses totaling about 600000 Yes, sir. Okay, so there's some real money there. Well, uh it's almost a guarantee that uh, the daughters are going to contest the will. Yes. And it's one of those where if I were in your position, I would go to uh, a lawyer. And I'll tell you why. Because if you know the will contest is going to be filed by the daughters who are being screwed out of the money in their view and being left to a non-biological child, automatically the argument is going to be, well, you know, dad really didn't know what he's doing. It's normal for kids to get the money and not strangers to get the money or non-biological uh, kids to get the money. So they're going to argue what uh, on its face makes sense. So the reason I would go to a lawyer, Leland, is to spend so much time explaining why you're disinheriting your daughters Yeah, that there becomes no issue. And I mean on and on. For Let me give you an example. Uh, Henry Fonda, uh, you know, the the actor, uh, yeah. died and left a suspe- sus- substantial, substantial will. Uh, his daughter, Jane Fonda, uh, was disinherited by, uh, by Henry Fonda. Mm-hmm. And he laid out specifically why. He said, here's the reason, and not that uh, Jane Fonda would ever contest it, because I know they had a very close relationship, but let's say she wanted to contest it being disinherited from a Big, big chunk of money. So he lays out, I love my daughter. She doesn't need the money. She's a very successful actress who makes a ton of money on her own. And I'm leaving her sisters, uh, the other children, the money simply because 
Uh, I want it to be somewhat equitable. Equitable. They can use the money more than she can. And it was a it was a pretty long paragraph explaining exactly why. So there will be no issue if uh, Jane Fonda were ever contested. It was not that he. I don't think they he uh, uh, anticipated she would. But again, it's a good lawyer saying let's make sure that all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. That's where okay. I, that's where I would go with you, Leland. It's worth Great. it's worth a couple of thousand dollars. Okay. Yep. All Thank right. you very much. No yep. problem. Uh, yeah, especially if you know the daughters are going to contest the will. And see, my daughters, for example, uh, we have it set up our trust that each daughter does contest the other daughter uh, who gets the inheritance, even though they both get it equally. They don't know they get it equally. So we've devised the trust. So one thinks she's getting screwed. As a matter of fact, both think they're getting screwed and it goes to the other one. See, I'm doing this for entertainment value. This is Handle on the Law. So why don't you just meet me in the middle? In the middle. Here on a uh, Saturday morning, big story that is uh, breaking this morning. Uh, it broke a few hours ago, actually not too many hours ago. Uh, multiple fatalities at a Pit- Pittsburgh synagogue. Uh, gunman just walked in the door, started shooting the place up. Uh, at least twelve people shot. Uh, four uh, four dead is being reported by CNN. Three police officers shot as uh, they responded. Uh, Fox News reporting multiple fatalities at the synagogue, and uh, it's uh, it's it's a bad one. It truly is. Uh, the gunman, by the way, surrendered, and so uh, no doubt. Uh, well, obviously, he's going to be charged with uh, multiple murders. And the issue is, they're going to try to figure out uh, a couple things: what his motive were, motives were, and is this a hate crime? And of course, uh, is uh, considering what is going on in the country. Uh, I think we're going to look at it in a very different way than we would have looked at it five years ago. All right. Back we go to more handle on the law. Marginal legal advice uh, where I tell you, eh, you have absolutely no case. All right, Mary. Uh, there you are. Hi, Mary. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Um, I, I have this case I told you about before. But- oh, yeah, Mary. You call on a regular basis. Yes, Mary. Well- well, because I'm still worried about being homeless because I was helping homeless people. It's right. not a good punishment. Okay, so right, you're right. Thinking, you're right. Yeah. Being punished for um, helping punish, but yeah, I get it. It's a good, you know, like... Yeah, no, no, Anyway, no. I, there's an eminent domain going on, I think. You know, they want the property because it's across the street from a nice new school. And this is your property, correct? Yes. Yeah, well, and, uh, they're, they, only. and they filed for eminent domain already? No, no, no. I think they should give me eminent domain money instead of draining my equity and doing a receivership and basically stealing it. Why, why, are, an hour. Why, why are they draining your money? Because they can. It's a county in the state of California. They could, just go into your, they could just go into your bank account and take your money? No, they can go into my house and kick out the renters that used to give me money. And kick me out so I have to pay rent. And what and, what is the basis? And what is the basis for? Loan. And what is the basis for kicking you out and uh, kicking out your renters? They just can't. They have because to give you some for, reason. For for a few years we had code violations, but I ah, got okay. to fix them. Okay. I got someone to fix them, and they don't care. Ah, you you did yeah. have someone to fix them, so you produced yes. the proof that you fixed them. Exactly. Okay. Now is this after? Is this after you've uh, they took away the property, or after you've been thrown out of the property? 
It was after they did a, a list pendant to to um, say we're going to get a receivership. Okay, and However, that all happened. They gave us a permit. And they that, gave us a permit to do it. Okay, and that all happened. So, uh, did you fix it uh, after all of this was done, or before they finished uh, their uh, receivership business? Um, I did it before the receivership was actually ah, appointed, but the judge it. didn't care. They didn't care. Well, okay. the judge didn't care. All right. So, did you appeal it? Yeah. Okay. Like, and how do they... I get a lawyer when I can't even afford plumbing? Yeah, that's a problem. That's a real problem because you're I mean, you, you got know... caught in this system, and it's pretty it's pretty bad. A lot of people have real problems getting lawyers. Now there are organizations out there uh, that will help people, elderly people uh, who have no. Are you calling access... me old? Yes. Yeah, that's well. First of all, you you sound like you're 98. That's for starters. Uh, I feel like I'm 20. Well, there you. Okay. Well, how about this? You don't sound like you're 20, but okay. Uh, Well, you know, it uh, it happens. Okay. So, Mary, there are. By the way, for the purposes of uh, going to these organizations uh, asking for help uh, for the poor and the elderly, get old real quick. All right. But Help yourself and become rich. become no no become your believe me they do it all the time because property is taken from people. Uh, there's elder abuse. Uh, there's fraud. Uh, there's fraud in the inducement. There's all kinds of uh, of ways of screwing over uh, over elderly people uh, and Good. people who have no money. So as far I'm as they're can you believe me you want to be old for those purposes. Trust me. Don't say I feel like I'm 20. Uh, first of all, no one will believe it. Second of all, uh, you want to get as as uh, as much sympathy as you possibly can. Anyway, so just do the do the um, research. There are organizations that will help you, especially if uh, there is any inkling that you have legitimately been screwed out of your home. Now, you've called a bunch of times before, and I've called you nuts, if you remember. I've called you a Fruit Loop. I've said you're completely out of your mind. Uh, after I hung up, uh, I said to uh, the uh, audience, the radio audience, people listening to this, uh, she's completely out of her mind. But uh, in the rare possible one in a thousand chance that you're not, look up these organizations, uh, free, legal, elder abuse, all of those organizations that will help you out. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning, right until 11 o'clock. Big news that we're covering, uh, the shooting in Pittsburgh at a synagogue. A uh, man literally just walked in, shooting, uh, started shooting the place up. Uh, at least 12 shot, according to CNN, uh, multiple deaths. Now, they were reporting that it was four dead. Now that's changed to multiple deaths, so I guess uh, the four was not confirmed. Fox is, uh, has all morning said multiple fatalities. Three officers showing up were also shot. The gunman has been arrested and uh, so we don't know his name. We don't know motivation yet. And uh, another one of those mass shootings at a uh, religious uh, institution. Pretty horrible stuff. Phone number here is 800-520-1534. And we'll keep you apprised all day here on KFI of uh, what is going on and any news uh, that's breaking. 800-520-1534. 
This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have no case whatsoever. Hi, Danny. It's your turn. Welcome to Handle on the Law, and what can I do for you? Good morning, Mr. Handel. Yes, sir. Uh, um, uh, first off, I would like to thank you. About 30 to 40 years ago, uh, you, I, t- I gave you my testimony, and you immediately said that I had a, an excellent small claims court case, and you explained exactly the method that I needed to follow, and I followed it to the T. Yeah, Danny, and, this is very depressing. Uh, no, no. 30 okay, to 40 you. years ago? Are you serious? Yeah. Even if it was 30 years ago, it was, certainly wasn't 40 years ago. If it was 30 years ago, uh, it's uh, this. I'm about to shoot myself. I don't want to be reminded that I've been uh, around okay. that long. Okay, but the bottom line is you listened to me, and I helped you out, right? Thank you so much. You're right. Now, that's the, by the way, that's a handful of people over 30 years. I just want to help you that actually uh, my advice has worked. All right. So what well, can I do I, for you now, Danny? I never expected to have to call you ever again because this is not what I do. But uh, you have a unique opportunity uh, for the past 24 hours. I have been uh, experiencing, especially the, uh, uh, the early this morning, an overdose of my prescribed medications. Okay. This morning you overdosed? uh, or uh... Yes. I'm currently recovering, and I am alone. Um, Recovering recovering from what? I'm going to throw some questions at you, Nanny. Recovering from what? My my overdose experience. um, I I did go call 911 uh, beforehand, and... um, and that's when it got really bad. And, and, and about 4 o'clock this morning, I violently threw up. And I collected this, the, the sample so that they can analyze it because I have too much medicine. And I've been trying to tell my doctors. Okay, hang on that. a minute. What did you overdose on? Okay. Um, last night, uh, I got a lidocaine patch for a cracked rib. That's, ah, okay. So you're talking about overdose on lidocaine? No. Uh, well, that's part of it. Three days, to uh, Wednesday, they gave me two shots of morphine. All right. I am also, I am also taking Norco, Eliquis, Metformin. Wow. Uh, okay. So, got it. All right. So you're, you're a mess and you overdose. This morning you overdosed, correct? I went through a violent overdose because I threw up the contents of all okay. my pills. Now, you don't go through an overdose when you throw up the contents. As a matter of fact, it goes the other way. So- no, no, I'm going, I am, I, I am incoherent. I am, it's, it's the opposite of, a, or it is a withdrawal. No, it's the opposite of a withdrawal. I don't know. I came at 4 o'clock this morning when I violently threw up the contents. That was the moment I thought. I was going to uh, pass away. All right. So you throw it up. Uh, there is uh, your vomitus on uh, wherever you threw it up. You you collected it uh, to yeah. uh, find out. And then, and, then what ha- and then what happened? And then after that, I have been pinned to my chair in the backyard. And I am by myself. Because, so I. What, what does well, that mean? I what does that mean? Pinned, right. What does that mean? Pinned to your chair? I'm I'm in a chair in my backyard. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, a chair that I've been 
I had I have been sitting here because I can't. I have to make sure I don't fall asleep. Oh, okay. Why not? Well, because I'm I'm so medicated. Yeah, but you threw it all up. No, no. I I believe that I. Be, all right. I, last, you know I, I I have to hang up on you. <laughs> that was a cough, by the way, that we caught just at the beginning. Sounds like a very nice guy. And uh, the only reason I stayed. <clears throat> Good God. You know what the problem is? Eating these sun chips and little bits and pieces get caught in my throat. And I tend to cough them up. And I love sun chips, but not a good idea to eat them when you're on the air. Really not. So I have to wait either for a commercial or something. So I'm not going to keep on chewing those. Put them aside. Don't let me eat those things. Okay, Blake? Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, our friend that just called. Uh, very. When he talked about he was incoherent as, as at a previous time, uh, no, we have to move that up to this phone call. And didn't understand a lot of that. And the only reason I've uh, kept him on the air is because he told me how much I helped him 30 or 40 years ago. 30, 40 years ago, I was, uh, what, junior high school? And he called me? Why not? Okay, let's just move on. I could have been a lot rougher on him. Could have. But my heart went out, so uh, there's not much I can do about that. Uh, yeah, Mike. Hi, Mike. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. I hauled a, a little skid steer bobcat to a job site about four months ago. Uh, it was a secured facility, a new construction with a perimeter fence that was secured. It had security cameras. Parked it at 3 o'clock. It was stolen that night at 6 o'clock. When I went in the next morning, I said, where's my tractor? And they would never called, security company never called the police, uh, which they state in their, their deal, they do all this, monitor all this. Well, I had a load jack on my loader. So if I had the opportunity to, to activate the load jack, I might have had a chance to get the tractor back. They found the trailer three days later in Fresno, which is 500 okay. miles away. All right, hang on a minute. Look what you just said. If I had the opportunity to have... Uh, They've activated the low jack. I yeah. might have gotten the trailer back. Yeah, you now, can't activate the low jack till the police report goes in. And what you're saying, okay, and I understand that. So they screwed up on that. But yes. what you're saying, and obviously, do you have any recourse? Your argument is, I might have gotten it back if. Might yeah. have never works in the law, ever. It's too speculative. Okay. It's too speculative. Is there assumed liability for their you know, the job they're supposed to do that, but they didn't do, and they're offering you a, a uh, you know, like the, the place is secured and you're yeah, no, no, it's, it's it's their negligence, and you're going to argue the reason it was stolen was their negligence, and you want the value back. Uh, I'm just saying you can't argue might have gotten it back sooner. Uh, that just yes. doesn't work. You're you're going on might have, and in that direction, and that's totally the wrong direction to take. Real simple. All right, your security was not secure. It was stolen. Thank you. The low jack thing is totally incidental to this process. Whether you had it, didn't have it, when they put in the, uh, the court, uh, where they put in the, uh, the police report on time, I might have gotten it back if. That's all incidental to the process. It just confuses everything. What, okay. is, what is appropriate is, hey, secure facility, it was stolen. Thank you. You're liable. How much it was this puppy, by the way? 
it's about twenty five, thirty thousand bucks. This toy is twelve years old. I didn't have insurance on. Uh, why not? It's, if it's twenty, it's, if it's worth twenty five grand, why wouldn't you have insurance? Just probably stupidity. Been doing it for forty years. All right, I got it. So uh, here's what you get. So you're gonna sue them for the value because of breach of uh, their breach of contract, and it's an implied contract. If it's not written right out, secure facility. Yeah. You trusted secured facility. There you go. Uh, now. Uh, you get to sue for $25,000, which means uh, you get to get a lawyer. Or you get to argue it yourself. I mean, there's well, not. I've got a lawyer that'll just, uh, you know, I would just uh, probably mean to call you for four months, uh, and I got through today. So okay. I thought I'd ask your, your, your opinion. Yeah, you're going to need a lawyer uh, to do oh. this unless you want to file a lawsuit by yourself. I mean, the argument is fairly simple, uh, but it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be uh, put into uh, the language that works in court. You know, for example, you were off in the total the wrong direction to begin with. That's why I'm going to suggest you a lawyer. But that costs you money. And so uh, what I would do is uh, certainly call uh, any civil lawyer. This is a simple case of uh, negligence. It's a very simple case of their breach of an implied contract. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot going on there. And uh, you're. We're going to sue, probably. I can't think of any other way. It's going to cost you some money. There's no good way about it. And you screwed up when you didn't have insurance. Had he had insurance, it would have been one phone call sure. to the insurance yeah, company, and they would have sued those guys after giving you the money. So uh, there you go. I don't know what else. To, don't know what else to tell you other than uh, not a good move. And he caught it. He goes, uh, I was stupid. What am I going to do? Agree 14 times? Yeah. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, this is uh, KFI Handle here, uh, following the story of uh, the shooting in a syn- at a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Uh, multiple fatalities. That's all we're hearing. Originally, we had heard that four had died. Now they've changed that to multiple deaths. And a shooter literally just walked in the door of uh, the synagogue and opened uh, fire. And uh, the 911 uh, call that was made, a witness said, just literally just walked in the door. And, of course, the police responded. We were being told that three police officers were shot and uh, multiple deaths are being reported. The shooter is in custody. So it is no longer an active shooting. Uh, it's no longer an active shooting scenario. And now police are there, and I think they're simply uh, in an investigative phase. Obviously, we're, we well, we haven't heard anything about uh, the identity of any of the victims. Of course, pending notification of next of kin and how many wounded. We haven't even gotten the numbers yet. Uh, and I'm looking uh, at, of course, the entire area being cordoned off, and the police present uh, presence is extraordinary. All right, uh, back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Mark. Hello, Mark. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. So I've been with this woman for about five years, and uh, we're starting to purchase properties together. We bought a condo in the desert as an investment about a year ago, and we just closed on another house that was going to be our permanent residence. She also owns a house from her previous marriage. It's completely hers. We're trying to understand what kind of paper we need 
so that everyone is protected, so that my family doesn't try and grab something if I pass away. I am. Well, there, there, there really isn't much uh, that you need to do because everything that is jointly owned depends on how title is held. Is it joint tenancy? Do you happen to know? I do. Uh, on uh, obviously on the house that she got from her last marriage, that's completely in her name. Right. But exactly. On both of the properties, it's joint tenancy. Okay, so it, I don't think there is much protection needed because it's real simple. Her property is her property. They can't be touched. And if she dies, it just goes by way of intestacy. And if you happen to be married, uh, you're part of that. And if you happen not to be married, uh, you have no access to it. And certainly your family doesn't have any access. Now, the rest of it is um, whoever dies first, the other other party gets it all. That's all. It's that simple. She Um, she dies first. You get get the property. That's joint tenancy. You die. She gets it all. And your uh, family, your kids have no access to it. Okay. Now, if she sells this first property that she got from her last marriage and takes the equity of that, which would be about 300000 and buys down the loan on the property that we that we just purchased, um, you know, to get the mortgage down, how does that work? I mean, I'll really tell you, it, unless there is a written agreement that you have where uh, upon someone's death or upon the sale, she gets her $300,000 back. If it's just she puts it in without a written agreement, uh, you just say thank you. Okay, is that, is that a trust or just something? No, no, it's just a one off. No, there's no trust. I mean, you can put all the property okay. in a trust, but that's a different issue. So unless right. uh, you, it's basically a gift to both of you is what it is. Okay. She's just she's decided to pay down the mortgage. And there's no indication that she wants any of the money back. It's uh, just, hey, thanks very much. You're a wonderful human being. What she's concerned about is if she passes away, that that, that big buy-down ends up going to the kid, to her children, which oh, I'm no, fine it, with. No, it doesn't, I just want to be sure. It doesn't go to her kids. The buy-down okay. goes to you because if the property is held in joint tenancy, okay, you're talking uh-huh. about $300,000 going against... Uh, the property that you own with her, right? Right. Yeah, right. her kids get nothing. Nothing. Okay. It all goes to you and then whoever you want to leave it to when you die. Okay, unless there's some paper between us. Unless there's paper maybe. between you, yeah. And then what you may want to do, do need is... need a lawyer for that? Uh, I, you know, I, yeah, probably. Uh, now, you can change uh, the title on that from joint tenancy, for example, to tenants in common, which uh, means upon the death... Uh, that half of the property goes to your kids, for example. So they become owners with her. There's a bunch of different ways of doing it. So I I suggest you go to a lawyer on this. I certainly would. And it's not that, uh, how much money are we talking about? We're talking about a couple of houses. I mean, we're talking about some serious money here, aren't we? We're talking about total close to a million dollars. Yeah, that's worth spending a couple thousand dollars. Certainly a a few hundred to talk to a lawyer. Okay. And then go on from there. All right. Okay. Thank you, Bill. You got it. This is Handle on the Law. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. There is a Tennessee doctor who has voluntarily retired her medical license. And why? Well, this is a good one. Uh, She had a patient. 
She borrowed $300,000 from this patient, longtime patient. She's known this woman for many, many years. They were personal friends. She's been treating this woman for forever. She borrows $300,000, then diagnoses her with dementia when the patient asks for her money back. Uh, Now the doctor is saying she was set up by this vindictive patient and uh, she only agreed to retire after the state attorney presented her with uh, effectively an unwinnable legal case. Uh, <laughs> when uh, she was questioned by investigators regarding her diagnosis of dementia, uh, she admitted that it was purely on an observation, no testing, no second opinion from a mental health professional. A psychologist later assessed the woman, uh, saying no indication of dementia whatsoever. Uh, Dr. Lee stood by her dementia diagnosis, which occurred about two years ago, uh, saying that her patient exhibited erotic beha- erratic behavior, not erotic, erratic behavior and signs of memory loss. Uh, therefore, she really didn't know whether she wanted her money back and under what circumstances the $300,000 was given to Dr. Lee. And uh, Dr. Lee is in the middle of the $300,000 business uh, but and disputes some aspects of the case. But conceded facts while negotiating an agreement uh, with the Tennessee Department of Health and Board of Medical Examiners during a meeting last month. Now, that has nothing to do with the lawsuit, whether she borrowed the money or not. This is the medical board that determines whether someone should remain a doctor or licenses the doctors. And what she did is she ultimately signed a consent order voluntarily retiring her license and agreeing to pay a $2,000 fine. You see that in the legal profession all the time, and that is lawyers, two seconds before they're about to get disbarred, voluntarily resign the bar. They say, okay, I'm out of here, knowing they're going to be nailed and disbarred. So it's, uh, uh, what do they call that? Resignation in lieu of disciplinary action, I think they call it. And there is, I, I love this, California Lawyers, a monthly magazine that comes out. And I always go right to the back page because the back page, uh, it tells you what uh, happened to lawyers and how they've been disciplined. All the way from uh, public reprimand, if it's pi- private reprimand, of course, that's not published, but public reprimand to suspension uh, to outright disbarment. And I always look to see how many people I know on that list, and they're more than you can imagine. I know all of them. They're all my friends, and they've all been disbarred. Let's take some phone calls. Mike, welcome. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Handle. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I went to an attorney, and he did uh, to file a lawsuit against a life insurance company. He, uh, I signed a, con- a contract with him. And then uh, two weeks down the road, he said uh, he wasn't going to file a lawsuit and he wouldn't represent me before a judge or a jury. So I fired him. Um, I figured he breached the contract. No, he didn't. He did build no, me $18,000. Oh, that's different. Wait, 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 wait. That's different. He billed you $18,000 for two weeks' worth of work? 39 hours. $18,000, and then he said, I'm not representing you. Well, he said that before. He sent me the bill. And then he sent you a bill. I would uh, look at the bill very carefully, see what he did. Uh, and, um, you you know, there's an issue going on here because that's immediately suspect. 
uh, as to what he did and didn't do. Because for him... Well, I fired him because he said he wouldn't file a lawsuit, and that was the whole point. No, I understand. And you're allowed to do that. And uh, because you go to an attorney to file a lawsuit. I want to know where the 39 hours is. Has he sent you an accounting of what he did for the 39 hours? He just said it was a regular... No, 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 no. That doesn't work. He has to send you a full, detailed accounting of every minute spent and what he did. Now, we'll probably manufacture it. He has to. And so what I would do at this point is uh, immediately take the accounting where he says just worked it. Did, when he sent you the bill, what was on the bill? What did, what did it well, say? It, it wasn't a bill. He said he was going to put a lien if I win the case. If I get another lawyer and I win the case, he's going right. to lean on anything I get. All right. So it, was a, so it was a contingency agreement? Yes, it was. All right. Then what you do is you take that contingency agreement, you take the check that you wrote him, you take the bill that he sent you, that you paid like an idiot, and you file a complaint. I didn't pay it. Oh, good. Then uh, just call him up and say, uh, you keep on going after me. I'll see you at the state bar. But that's one lawyer judging another lawyer. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's the state bar. No, no, it's not. Now, he's entitled to some kind of a percentage uh, for whatever is gotten on a contingency basis. If there is no win, then there will be no money. So, uh, but he didn't breach the contract. Well, uh, not really, not really, uh, because he pro- there's probably language that says he can bail out any time. Uh, so that's not a, a breach. I guess it is morally, but it's not legally a breach. And we're going to talk morals against an attorney. So uh, what you have is uh, you you take the bill and you call him or write him and say this is a contingency case. You sent me a bill for eighteen thousand dollars. If you don't withdraw it immediately, I am taking this to the state bar. Also, he said he was going to go after my current attorney that I hired. No, he's not going to go after your current attorney. He's going to put a lien on the case for work that he has done. And then it's up to your current attorney to negotiate with him. You're not even part of this. Let the attorney deal with it. Yeah, you're fine. It's just uh, he's blowing smoke is what he did. Oh, right. Ron. Oh, let's go. Casey, let's do that instead. Hello, Casey. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. My, um, I've got a, my question is, how much weight does a 15-year-old have his opinion on the family law court judge? Uh, it depends on the judge, uh, but probably quite a bit, uh, especially if you're talking custody, I'm assuming, as to which parent the child uh, wants to live with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah the, the court the court will pay attention to that. There's no question. Some judge, well, my, uh, go ahead. I have an evil ex that is very permissive with them and has told them, instructed them, they don't have to do chores over her house All right. or my house, and they just sit around and play video games. Got it. So, so, got, so what you do? Parents they want to live with. Got it. So, uh, what you do is bring that up to the judge. And okay. the judge, as I said, has a lot of in, uh, has a, the, the kids have a lot of input. But at the same time, the judge is going to look at why do the kids want to live with mom? And Ooh. effectively, the kids living with mom means no rules, no controls. Now, nobody cares about chores, Casey. No one gives a rats about whether chores are done or not done. That one is easy. Well, 
but she's not even there. She's at work all day. That's a different story. That is a different story. And But, again, the 15-year-old, does he really need a parent there? And I don't know the answer to that, depending on the judge. But here it is. I'm assuming your kids are going to say they want to stay with mom because it's so permissive. And you're yeah. going to argue, I understand what the kids are doing, but here is why. And then the judge is going to make his or her choice. And that's all okay. you can do is bring it up and see what the judge says. If I'm the judge, uh, I'm going to try to nail mom for doing that. And that's assuming that the kids that you can prove uh, or at least establish some basis for that being the truth. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. All right, Bob. Hello, Bob. Uh, Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, Bob. Yes, Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yes. um, My car was stolen a few months back. And uh, it was later recovered approximately two weeks after that, but I was never notified by the police department. I got a notification from the impound yard uh, two weeks after recovery saying, we're going to sell your car uh, for impound fees. Oh, wait, do you have insurance? Uh, I do not have... uh, uh, You don't have theft insurance? Comprehensive, no. Okay, so you're just out of car. Uh, and I you were—I was out of car. So and I you were never. And did they know? They said, well, okay, so sell it. got it. So they know where you are. I don't think you have. Oh, who do you go after for that one? Because they did really screw you. Uh, screw you out of a car. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you have to look at the statute. You have to look at a statute and find out that they have to notify you uh, within X days if they know who you are. And they clearly knew who you are because they found. Uh, yeah. at, so I, you have to look at the statute. Okay, that well, I've is, already looked at that. And the statute says the police department is supposed to notify me within two days. Okay, and they didn't. And they did not. What's the value? And I ended what's up the, paying what? the $1,000 impound fees. Okay. But and, I think I should have some recourse. Yep, yeah, uh, pay the $1,000. Ask them for 1000 bucks. And uh, Okay, who and, do I ask? The police department? Uh, no, no, no. Yard? You ask the yard. You ask uh, the tow yard because they're the ones that picked up your car. And uh, the police didn't do anything wrong. They just had them pick it up. You know, the police aren't the ones that have to follow up and say, did you, in fact, contact the owner? Gee, when? Remember, you only have two days. Uh, that's not the police's issue. It's the impound yard that has to follow the law. Now, for the two weeks that you had uh, that you didn't have your car, what did you do for transportation? I didn't. It was actually a month I didn't have the car. So I would argue, uh, well, then you have to argue what those damages are, and that gets, that gets kind of difficult. If you had rented a car, you could easily say, these are the costs. That's part of my damages. If a friend had taken you back and forth to work, uh, you can say it is worth X number of dollars. Uh, there are a bunch of things, but uh, I don't know. You're certainly getting $1,000. That, I'd file against the yard instantly for the $1,000. And then what okay. I would do, and then I would, I would ask for another five grand just for the hell of it. And uh, just uh, tell at small claims and argue what you had to do and, and, and try to figure out a money equation for that. And this, and the okay. more specific you get, the easier it is for a judge. If you simply say, I was out of a car and it was terrible for me, I want $5,000, the judge just tosses it. If you right. say, here's right. what I had to do, and this is what it cost me, and even though I didn't spend the money, I would have if I had any money. These are the damages. That's what I would argue, yes. and see if that works. Hello, Giovanni. Welcome. Giamatti, yes, uh, go um, ahead. So five years ago, I got a case. It was a felony with the plea agreement that I did. It went to a misdemeanor. I've expunged it now. I got a letter from the district attorney. 
that uh, dismissed all of them. When I apply for jobs now, do I keep continuing to put it's a felony? No, nope, no, nope, you're done. You're, no, you're done. You're done. If it's expunged, you have no conviction. It's finished. You have not been convicted. That record is gone. Expungement means it is history. Oh, perfect. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. Now, the other side, and I wanted to ruin your life while you're on the air, a lot of people know and find out, and they go, why didn't you tell me? And then the argument is because it was expunged. And legally, I don't have this anymore, although there are ways of going back through the record and finding out. But for the most part, I wouldn't uh, say that there has been a felony conviction, and maybe it was simply a felony arrest. And there you don't have to say that at all, at all. Okay. Hello, Ken. Ken, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Go ahead, Ken. Hello, uh uh, Bill, thank you. Uh, I would like to know what do you do uh, about uh, uh, having some redress against a fraudulent lawyer? What is fra- a fraud? I don't know what a fraudulent lawyer is. Well, no. the, the problem is in the first place, I thought I was hiring a an individual, a, a lady lawyer. When I got to the office, it was kind of a bait and switch operation where uh, her father was now I was dealing with it. But he made great promises. It's a probate case. He said, no problem, and uh, everything, I, I would get X amount of money. It turned out to be uh, that he did not do anything. I came out worse than if I had no lawyer at all. I uh, tried to fire him from the case two months ago, and he just ignores that. And he no, that's no, wait, wait, wait. You can't, okay, a couple things. Uh, there's no fraud here at all, all right? What you have is a lawyer who brought you into the office and said, now my brother or this other lawyer is going to be handling the case. At that point, you say, no, I hired you. I'm not interested in anybody else doing the case. So that well, he was... put both the names. He put his name and their name. I understand. I get it, but that's not fraud. When you, signed, when you signed the retainer agreement, did it have both names on it? Yes. All right, so you hired both of them. There's no fraud there. Okay, uh, uh, Okay. putting that aside for just a second, he promised one thing. He promised yeah, I know. That they all they... do. They all do. They all say, and then you say they're not done. Okay, so you fire the lawyer. But he ignores it. He acts like I no, no, never you ig- no, no. Here's... he was being fired. Then and what now... you do is, wait a sec, all you do is send him an email and say, I am releasing you as my lawyer. I want the file. And if he keeps on ignoring you, you simply say, I am taking this to the state bar. You are now representing me without permission. Okay, so I can go to the state bar yes. to get redress? Uh, well, yeah, you can get it. I don't know if you're going to see redress. What you're going to do there is there any local authority? Like no. this is a situation in Glendale. No, it's- no, no, no. There's no local authority. But for a lawyer to get a, a document, a letter, an email saying you're fired, and continues to represent you, I don't understand that. Because all you have to do is, what does he do when he ignores you? Does he keep on working the case? He keeps sending me, well, it was in a conversation. He says, do you want me to represent Wait you? a minute. You So you fired him in a conversation? Yes. That's not firing him. you got to put it in writing. Yeah, you're doing this all wrong. I mean, all wrong. I, I told him he's fired, and they ignored me. Well, I signed up with both lawyers, but... I thought, yeah, come on, give me a break. You have to have a, a, a little bit of seichel, which is a, y- a Yiddish word for brains. It's a, good word. it's a good word, by the way. Look it up, seichel. I think it's S-A-C-H-E-L. Yeah, I think so. 
This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Oh, right. Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, my question is, my vehicle sustained some damage at my uh, employee parking lot, and I was told that they won't pay for the damages. Do you know who hit the car? You know who uh, caused the damage? Who hit your car? Well, actually, it was caused by. This is a serious call. It was caused by crows. What they did was they chewed up the. Okay, it was caught. It was caused. It was shield. Got it. It was caused by crows. Yeah. So why would a person who owned the lot be responsible for crows destroying the paint job or whatever on your? on uh, your car explain because to me why we are controlled the parking is controlled we have and to they park. have and they, i understand and they have to control the crows they should have scarecrows there for example and what if they don't have scarecrows well they have to go farther than that they have to guy have a guy with a shotgun standing out there to patrol for crows wait a minute you can't have anybody with a shotgun can you that's illegal okay. how about this a huge net over the entire parking lot to keep crows from flying in. Uh, what? Where do you think they're responsible? Um, well, that's why I'm not sure. That's why I'm calling I'm, you. I, I, just I don't either. Think the damage is. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I get it. It's the, expensive. No, I understand. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I clearly understand. You're out, and you're going to be out a lot of money. But see, here you're saying is because I park in your lot, and my car was damaged, you get to pay. For example, let's say a meteorite came down and went right through your passenger compartment and there was $3,000 worth of damage. You know what? It was on your property and you have to make sure that a meteorite doesn't come down and go through my car. That's effectively the argument that you're using. And it doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. Uh, Exactly. They didn't do anything unreasonable. That's the point. Uh, it just okay. happens. I mean, just, you know, life simply happens some si- uh, sometimes, Stephanie. And what's going to make you do is uh, just hate crows. Not that you don't already. Uh, I certainly do. Okay. Keith. Hey, Keith. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go ahead. You asked me a question. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> All right. Uh, my question is, um, my wife is going to have surgery, and with the... Uh, Recent cases, and I know it's rare, but um, if she doesn't wake up, do we need to have a living will in place for her, or do I have complete authority over medical decisions? Uh, yeah. First of all, it's not a living will. It's a directive that gives you uh, yeah. the right, uh, right to make decisions. Uh, you know, usually in case of uh, if it's really life-threatening, uh, where it, uh, pull the plug, they're going to let you make the decision anyway. Uh, so, you know, you can do, uh, you can, it, it's always a good idea to do a directive. Uh, so at least the doctors know exactly what's going on. Is it critically important? No. But a directive is easy, uh, Keith. You both do a directive saying the other person has uh, the ability to uh, make the decision. And it's always pull the plug. If she doesn't wake up, she's dead anyways, Keith. What what kind of decision would you make? Uh under what circumstances do you think you would have to make a decision? Well, um, you know, my concern 
Nothing's guaranteed anytime. You're yeah, no, I understand. Answer. But if she dies, there's no decision for you to make. Well, the, the scary thing would be if she's not dead. If she's like uh, uh, the black teenager who... Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah he, and it's the family who makes that decision. But, again, the doctors asked the family in her case. They went to her, and believe me, she did not have a directive. I don't know of any teenager that goes into a tonsillectomy in this case. We're talking about uh, Jahai McMath. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's like 14 years old or uh, whatever age she was when uh, the, the, uh, the uh, surgery took place. And the complications were insane, and she effectively lost her brain. Her brain uh, was a horrible, horrible case. And the and the hospital had her declared dead. And, I mean, legally she was declared dead, so the insurance company is out of it. The hospital said, we're not taking care of her. She's dead. And the family said, we want to keep her going, and they went to court to make that decision. So uh, in that case, it's the family, uh, and that will happen if your wife, under those cir- cir- same circumstances, it's your call. Keith, it's going to be your call. Right. So, uh, um, yeah, So, but it doesn't matter. It's always a good idea to get a directive, always. Uh, my wife and I have a directive, and that is uh, if anything happens to my wife, uh, for example, uh, anything minor, if she's in, for example, breaks her leg as in a cast, I'll tell the doctor to kill her. <laughs> All right, always a good idea for the directive, which says in the event that uh, I that I, I effectively want to die. I want n- no heroic measures taken, which means, and there's a whole series of them too, uh, you can say no rest, uh, resuscitation taken. If I am, I, uh, unless it is clear that uh, it's simply a, a life-saving procedure right there, but uh, it's very complicated, and it, it, it gets a very fine line as to when, uh, for example, no uh, resuscitation. What does that mean? You have a heart attack? And you're 40 years old, and all you need to do is be zapped with the defibrillator, and you're, the, the husband says, uh-uh, let her die. And then, of course, do you let her die, depending on how much money you're going to inherit? And there's that equation, too. If my wife had enough money, what do you think I would do? I mean, there's a lot to that. Hello, Keith. Welcome to Handle on the Law. I have a friend with a situation regarding a leaking uh, tub overflow valve into the condo unit below. Yeah, you're Caroline. You're not Keith. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That was my fault. All right. That's all right, Bill. So you have it. All right. So what's going on? You had. It's leaking. Okay. Homeowner Association says it's not going to fix it. All right. But it's specifically coming from another uh, condo, correct? It is. Then those are the people. Why should the homeowners fix it if it's his fault? Well, it goes into detail here. A homeowner association is rejecting it, saying it's the homeowner's fault. Right. The Wawanisa insurance people are exempting it because of a malfunctioning part. You know what? That's their problem. You sue whatever it costs to repair your place, you sue the neighbor. It's not my place, Bill. It's somebody else's place leaking into somebody else's unit. Then what are you, so, what, so, so what are you doing talking about it? Uh, just calling because he's afraid to call. He's afraid of you. Oh, jeez. Okay, yeah, tell him. Yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah, so. tell him. Tell him to sue the neighbor. All right. Oh, that was easy. This is KFI AM six forty for stimulating talk. Welcome back to Handle on the Law: Marginal Legal Advice. 
Okay. Uh, Monique. Hi, Monique. Hi. Yes, go ahead. So I received a traffic ticket for the following. I was being scoped out, if you would, to my left by a patrol car. It was very late at night. Um, It was on the PCH. And I was suspicious because I was not doing anything wrong. The patrol car went in back of me, put its lights on. So I slowed down. I put my hazard lights on, and I saw at the nearest well-lit populated area, like a store or a service station. I finally found one. I stopped, and I told the officer who came to my window why I had stopped there. So he said I had a light that was out. He gave me a ticket for that. He said it was a collectible ticket. It took him 50 minutes to give me that ticket. And then when I looked at it, in addition, it said failure to yield to an emergency vehicle, meaning his vehicle. So I spoke um, out at the city council about this for approximately a year, and I went to court. I wish I had gotten an attorney, but I thought that this was common sense. Why would you get an attorney to to fight a traffic ticket? You want an attorney? What do you think the attorney would have done? People said that it would have just been better if an attorney. Why? Had... Oh, here's what the attorney would have said: Officer, uh, did did she yield or did she not? And the officer said no. She refused to pull over when I turned the lights on. And you say no, I didn't. So it's his word against your word. And who do you think the court is going to believe? So what do you, you think? Believe the officer. That's right. They always believe the officer unless you clearly have caught them in a lie. Clearly. For example, he blew through a stop sign on this corner. You, sh- you come up with a picture where there is no stop sign. Well, okay, you're probably going to win that one. I want a ticket when a cop said that I blew exactly what it did. I blew through a stop sign. There was a stop sign, but I was able to. And where were you? I was over here. I had a picture, and look at this. He was behind a tree, Your Honor. You can't see the stop sign from where he is, and I got the and I got the ticket dismissed. Hey, by the way, not that the uh, the officer got in any trouble for just lying through his teeth. They don't do that. So okay, so a lawyer does nothing. So you get tagged in court. You now get convicted for the traffic violation. Correct. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? You got, you, all right. You got tagged for a traffic violation, correct? You were convicted. That is right. All right. So now what is your question? So the question is, I went to the appeals. I felt that the report was stellar because I put in there What happened? I don't care what I don't care what I don't care what you put. It says it, if you feel you're being followed. I understand. Well got it. Area. Got it. And he said that didn't happen. So now. He's not going to agree with what you say. That's not going to happen. He's going to simply give his side of the story, notwithstanding what happens. So what's your question? Well, I'd like to take this to the state of appeals because you can't. I just feel that there I thought, is a lot you of can't. evidence. You can't. And what's the, what's the evidence? Well, he did give some falsehoods of testimony. No, no, no. That's not, no, no. That's not evidence. That's you saying it. How do you prove that he gave falsehoods, that he lied? Why are, where well, do you... he said I was on with my insurance company asking for a tow, and there's evidence that I did not call my insurance company. So he thought, so, I mean, and what does that have to do with the case? Explain to me, you're not on with the insurance company. He says, I thought she was. What does that have to do with the case that he says you were evading me? 
I saw her not yield. What, what, what part of that are you going to refute what he thought he saw? And there are no eyeball witnesses to say that's not true, Your Honor, that the cop is not telling the truth. How much of that Dude, do you I have? One one when all was said and done, and I'm sorry, but in the driver's manual it says it does, that forget if it. it's a nighttime enforcement. Yeah, I know, I know. Light, judge doesn't a service station yeah. or a restaurant. And does, the judge doesn't in care. The California State Constitution, oh. Article One, Section yeah. One, it says that we have right. a right to safety. Okay. So I did everything that I possibly right. could have done. Right, and the judge didn't care, did he? Oh, it was a pro-temp judge, and she actually bullied and belittled me. Okay, so now you want to, let's, you know, I'm going to give you the name of some appeal attorneys. You are going to write a $5,000. Well, the appeals. So there the is, by the way, and there is no walk, appeal. So and I by the way, the state of well, there is no state of appeals. That's I don't know. what an attorney told me. What That's is this? why I'm calling you today. What is the state? He wanted $10,000 Of course he did. What is the state of appeals? I'm asking you. There is no state of appeals. It doesn't exist. There's an appeals court, and that is not the state of appeals. And you can take a ticket. Well, the appeals court did not take my testimony, which was verbatim, transcribed from the quality uh, and assurance. They don't take testimony. They don't. Listen to me. All right. Now, uh, the reason I hung up on her is anytime you start talking. Uh, the Constitution says I have the right to happiness or safety or whatever other crapola you want to throw into court. Your Honor, I have the right to happiness. Yeah, fine. The judge is going to hear that. Incidentally, uh, the appeals court is not going to hear a factual situation. It's not going to hear I said this, the cop said this, the cop is lying. That's not what the appeals court does. The appeals court merely talks about procedural issues. Evidence uh, talks about whether the law was properly applied, talks about whether there was a law in place at that point, was the infraction correctly written or not. So uh, she is so out to lunch. I hope she spends $10,000 for an attorney. I hope so to fight a traffic ticket. Nothing would make me feel better than her spending that much money. God, I love it. All right. This is Handle on the Law.